All right, Proverbs chapter 1. I, I want to uh, talk to you, preach to you, teach to you, whatever tonight, a little bit about the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not uh, something that we don't uh, at least touch on on a regular basis, but I want to kind of try to uh, deal with it in a little bit different of a way, not, not in something that's... Uh, new or going to impress your wow. But what I want to try to do is maybe give you a little contrast tonight about fearing God and being afraid of something else. And whatever that something else is, you can fill in the blank or don't fill in the blank. Just to contrast to you the difference between fearing God and simply being afraid. You know, the Bible has a lot of what seems to be like contradictions. And there are no contradictions in the Bible. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, I'm not necessarily, as far as I know, preaching to lost folks. I'm preaching to folks that already believe. Is that right? Okay. So a lot of times we run into things in the Bible that seem like contradictions. For example, the Bible tells you, which is what we'll deal with tonight, it tells you to fear the Lord. And there's motives for that. There's reasons for that. And then you go into other places and it says, be not afraid. I believe that's a, that what I just said right there is a phrase that the Lord used while he was approaching his disciples one day. But you, uh, if you look in first Timothy, uh, it might be second Timothy chapter one, what, whichever one it is, it's the first chapter. And the Bible says that our God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And so then you go to 1 John, and 1 John says, perfect love casteth out fear. And so it seems like there's a little bit of a contradiction between those two things, but I hope by the time you, we get done here tonight, you'll see that there is no contradiction. So, so that, that's what we're going to, Lord willing, deal with tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the fear of the Lord. So look here in Proverbs chapter 1, and just to get a little bit of our bearings, let's, let's take a look. This is, this is a wonderful chapter. I love the book of Proverbs. I, I continually go through Proverbs chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, all of the book, of, all of the book, but particularly the first several chapters, and it seems like it's just a, a sponge that cannot be exhausted. You just keep squeezing and squeezing and stuff comes out. And I, I love it when the Bible's like that. This is a, let me just say this and we'll get on with the sermon. The Bible's a wonderful book. Let, let me say, it's, a, it's an awesome book. There's no other book like it. No other book like it. You have not held another book in your hand like this one. Uh, there, there's no book like it. We thank the Lord for that. But look here in Proverbs chapter 1. And let's see what he says here in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. So this is the purpose of the book that he's talking about. And then he says to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Then he starts in with the instruction. He starts in with the statements, what he's going to begin to, to do throughout the book. He says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now watch. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now you're familiar with that, are, are you not? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, there's another place, and I didn't write it down, so you'll have to forgive me. And you can go home and look it up on your little cell phone because nobody messes with concordances anymore. They look it up on their cell phone. 
Uh, and that's okay. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord is also, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the starting place of knowledge and wisdom both is the fear of the Lord. All right. Now look at verse 8. He says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Now, this is what I want to start to deal with. Pay attention starting right here in verse 10. He says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Now, what I want you to take particular notice of in those verses is the first couple of verses. I don't know about in your Bible, but in my Bible, in verse 10, there's a little, it looks like two lines with a backwards D on it. How many of you have that in your Bible? That's a paragraph mark. For those of you that may not know that, uh, I, I think I made comments on Sunday about not liking to read myself. And so I understand that some of you may share that lack of enthusiasm. But that's a paragraph mark. That's, that's the start of a new thought. That's what that's all, all about. What I want you to notice is verse, uh, verse 10 and verse 11. He says, verse 10, he says, if sinners entice thee, if sinners entice thee, it's a secretive thing. It's not, it's not. Uh, necessarily bold. It's not necessarily in your face. Uh, the Bible says uh, we we preached a little bit about Samson on Sunday morning, and the Philistines came to Delilah and they said, "Hey, go to Samson and entice him, and see wherein the secret of his strength, wherein the secret of his strength doth lie or lieth." However, it, it puts those things. But it's a it's kind of a going to sneak around the back door and, and get in behind you and it's going to, it's not something wham in your face, right? All right, now look in verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Do you see the difference of approach? You see the difference of approach between the sinners in verse 10 and wisdom in verse 20. One sneaks behind, one kind of comes in the back door, but when wisdom shows up, she has nothing to hide. She comes out in the open and she stands, she stands out on the street corner. She's a street preacher. She's a street preacher. She's a street preacher. Folks that get in a church and say, I just don't believe in taking all that stuff out on the, on the street corners. Wisdom does. You know, you know why a lot of folks have a hard time with taking things outside of the church? It's because they don't want church, this church stuff to interfere with what's going on in their life. But wisdom is not just a church thing. Religion is not, Christianity is not just a church thing. It's a life thing. Yeah. 
And listen, if, you, if you're insistent that uh, wisdom and Christianity, if you're insistent that church stay within the four walls of your house or in the four walls of this house, uh, you're either lost or you're certainly not living a Christian life. Amen. I won't belabor that too much, but that certainly does need to be said, and it needs to be said more often. But that's, that's the God's honest truth. Uh, that wisdom, wisdom doesn't hide behind four walls in a little building, you know, and try not to, you know, get in people's business. Wisdom is all in your business. Wisdom, wisdom is referred to as a herd. It's a lot like your mother. He was out past 10 o'clock. Where was you? When I was coming up, uh, I had a curfew of 10 o'clock, and I still don't like to be out after the sun goes down. I do not like it. Boy, in wintertime, boy, I don't hardly go anywhere. I don't hibernate, but I don't like to go anywhere. You say, why? I don't like to be out past dark. Uh, Brother Clint called me and asked me. He asked me, he said, you want to go fishing with us? Y'all want to, you want to go run bush hooks with us? I said, what time are you going to be back? <laughs> uh, I already had in my mind, bedtime. Oh, when, when, dark, when the sun goes down, it's time to get in bed. Amen. Uh, some of y'all need to quit staying up too late and you find that funny. But either way, that's just because, that's probably just because I got a poor sense of humor. And that's okay. God didn't call me to be a comedian. He called me to preach. So let's get with this. Uh, so he says, it says, wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. She gets out there where everybody is. See, wisdom, wisdom is not, let, let me put it like this. Wisdom is not trying to hide something from you. Wisdom, now the, there's several things that have to be balanced out here. There's several things that complement this truth that I'm given. But let me lay this down first. Wisdom is not uh, selective in the sense of, well, you know, you're tall and you're short and you're smart and you might not be so smart. That's not the way that wisdom operates. Wisdom is just standing out on a street corner and basically saying the, the same thing that the Holy Spirit says, the same thing that the Bible says, the same thing that the church is supposed to be saying, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom says, hey, I'm right here. Why don't you come? And that's what she says. Verse 22, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now she says, turn you at my reproof. This is wisdom talking. Turn you at my reproof, and behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So when wisdom calls, she's not just calling and saying, come to me. She's calling for repentance. That's what folks have a hard time with. Now, we could personify this and say it's a preacher. We could personify this and say it's, you know, it's the Holy Spirit or, you know, it's the Word of God. But let's just leave it as it is right now and let's just say that it's wisdom. Wisdom calls for repentance. You say, Brother Nathan, I want wisdom. Okay, the first thing you need to know is that God said, if any man lack wisdom, James 1, if any man lack wisdom, let him what? He's supposed to ask. That's a verse you need to memorize, obviously. He's supposed to ask. Okay, you say, well, Brother Nathan, I've done that. I've asked the Lord for wisdom. Okay, then the other thing you need to remember is that before you get wisdom, there's going to have to be some repentance. You say, well, I'm not willing to repent. Then you're not going to be able to get with wisdom. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, wisdom's not going to change her mind. She's as stubborn as your mama is or was, whatever the case is. She's stubborn. 
You're going to have to conform to her way. You're going to have to do it her way. And that way is repentance. You're going to have to change your mind. She's not changing. Turn you at my reproof. I will pour out my... You say, well, what's she calling for repentance from? Well, she says, how long ye simple ones, 22, verse 22, how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity? And scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. What's, she's call, what's she calling for repentance from? Self-satisfaction. She's not trying to get you off the bar stool. She's not trying to get you, you know, to quit stealing things out of your neighbor's shed. She's trying to get you to quit being so satisfied with the way that you are. Listen, that should be a comfort for some of you. Listen, it should be a comfort for some of you and it should scare the rest of you that it doesn't comfort. Because, listen, if you're constantly going through a process in your heart and mind, man, I'm not good enough. Man, I'm not good enough. Man, I, I keep coming short. Man, I could be so much better. Uh, we worked under a warden out there at the prison. And one of the things that people hated him for, they hated Tracy Johns, he was the best warden that I've ever worked under. I've only worked under two. But he was by far the best warden that was out there. You say, what made him so good? He was always pushing. Always pushing for more. Hey, we can do better. Brother Tommy, they had audits out there about three times a year. And one of them was with our client, the Bureau of Prisons. We held their inmates. And that the BOP, the Bureau of Prisons, would come in and they would analyze the whole facility. About the third year that Tracy Johns was there, we got three knocks, not knocks, they, they actually called knocks a different thing, but we got three strikes, if you will. We got three marks for the whole audit. The audit was something like, I don't know, 300 points. We got three. Three. No Bureau of Prisons facility within the last 50 years has gotten that high of a score on an audit. And a private facility got it. Our private facility got it. And he stood up after it. Listen, he stood up after it. And he said, we can do better. Amen. Boy, it made, it, made, it made employees at that facility lose their mind. Boy, you want to talk about making ripples in a facility. It sounded just like a Baptist church. Oh, I can't believe this guy. He is so arrogant. This guy, we got three strikes. He wants us to do more. You know how many we got on the next audit? One. Folks, just constantly. There's some folks, there's some Christians that's constantly, listen, there's, there's some Christians that's constantly sitting back saying, man, I could do more. Man, I could do more. And somebody's sitting off to the side who doesn't care, who doesn't, they're not concerned about the Lord coming back. They're not, they're not paying attention to any of that stuff. They're sitting back saying, you're arrogant. You're an idiot. Why are you pushing so hard? But the truth is, is that that is what wisdom calls for. Wisdom calls for you to repent of self-satisfaction. Do you realize why some folks are not wise? Listen, when you find somebody that looks at their life and says, I'm good enough. Well, don't you see that there's room for improvement? Yeah, but I'm good enough. I'm better than that guy. Well, see what you're dealing with is somebody who doesn't have access to wisdom. Wisdom has been cut off. Listen, I'm, I'm going to use this as an illustration because I've been preaching. I've been eating it up one side and down the other. Be in church every time the doors open. And you know folks is sitting here that are in church every time the door is open. 
just never stops. He just never preaches. I mean, he never preaches on anything else. That's all he preaches about. Be in church, be in church, be in church. Okay, well, let's move along and let's say, make sure you're here when you're here. You see what I'm saying? Wisdom calls for you to repent of self-satisfaction. Yes, sir. All right. So he says, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity and scorners delight in their, scorner, in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. All right. So, so we understand, uh, hopefully you understand. Hold your Bible there in Proverbs 1. Let me not get too far ahead of myself. Turn very quickly. Job 28. Let's look in Job chapter 28. And let's make a, a connection here. Job chapter 28. I read through the book of Job several times this week, and I, man, I, boy, Job is, uh, boy, Job is really, in a sense, it's it's a great comfort to me, but it's it's very puzzling to me, boy. Job is, I, I, that's a different sermon for a different time. I could say a whole lot, but I, I probably wouldn't say much that would be constructive. So we'll leave that alone. But look here in Job twenty-eight, and look in verse twenty-eight. Uh, I could just say I love the book of Job. We'll just leave it at that. Job 28, 28. Look at what he says here. He says, and unto man, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord. That's what we're talking about tonight. You say, Brother Nathan, all you've talked about is wisdom so far. That's right. I've talked about the fear of the Lord. Look at what he says. Behold, the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. What's wisdom? The fear of the Lord. You say, Brother Nathan, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job said it is wisdom. You say, which one is it? Both. So get the fear of the Lord in your heart and you'll begin to get a little wisdom and then let that fear go. Quit cultivating that thing and let's see what happens to your wisdom. It'll go away. It'll go away. Have you ever seen somebody turn out, they start living a Christian life, and boy, man, things start being put together in their life, and man, things start really picking up, and then somewhere, and you don't have to look any further than the mirror, I guarantee you, to, to know that this is true. You start applying God's principles, you start operating under a fear of the Lord, and then you begin to quit cultivating that fear of the Lord, and it seems like all the ground you gain, you begin to lose. You say, what is it? Because those two things... If they're not the same, which I really believe that they are, because that's what Job said, behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. If I say that, you know, I want to identify something, I want to define something, I say, well, this is this. Two plus two is four. They're the same thing. They're just stated different ways. That's logic, by the way. Okay, well, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Okay, I think, I think we got that established. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1. So we talk, about, we, we talk about wisdom and we talk about the fear of the Lord. Now turn with me very quickly over to Psalm 128. I'm going to have to pick up the speed here or we're going to be here for a long time. And I, I really genuinely don't want to keep you here forever. But I do want to get this across to you because I think it would help you. Joe, uh, Psalm 128, look at what he says in verse 1. Psalm 128, don't lose your place in Proverbs 1. Throughout the night, don't lose your place in Proverbs 1. But Psalm 128, the Bible says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Blessed. Well, what kind of blessing is there in fearing God? He says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. I just want it to be well with me. Fear the Lord. Thy wife, look, specific blessings. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, 
thy children like olive plants round about thy table. You know, if you fear the Lord, it'll go well with your house. Now, that don't mean that you're going to have 600 kids. That, that's not what that means. And some of you better thank God for that. Uh, but, but listen, there's a, there are some folks that believe the more spiritual you are, the more kids that you'll have. And listen, that is a promise that was given to Israel. God said he'd bless them in that way. That doesn't translate over to the church. And that, what we're dealing with in Psalm 128 doctrinally is a promise given to Israel. So we can't, we can't make it match 100%, but we can apply it devotionally to us. Listen, if, the, if you fear the Lord, God will bless your house. So we can take it that far. Now look at what he says, verse 4. Behold, that thus shall the man be Blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Could, could you not say if you fear the Lord that God will bless your society? Yeah. Hey, a lot of the reason that our society is in the shape that it's in is just could just be limited to the simple statement of no fear. Yeah. It, could be limit, it could go a little bit different and say no fear of the Lord, which is what I'm going to try and show you here tonight. There's fear in this society. But there's no fear of God. Okay? Now go back to Proverbs chapter 1. So there's a difference between the fear of the Lord and just fear. The first is right and proper and it's even commanded. But I'll tell you that fear, in a general sense, fear, just being afraid is a lack of the first. If you don't fear God, you're going to fear something else. I, I hope you get that through your mind. You say, I, I believe that, I see that. Praise the Lord. Let's elaborate on it a little bit. Uh, a message to fear, the, this is a message to, about fearing the Lord. And, or some folks, let me say this, some folks will hear a sermon about fearing the Lord. And some folks will sit into a, in a church, listen to me. So a preacher will stand up and he'll preach, you should fear God. And folks will sit in the church and they'll say amen to that. And in their own mind, they're thinking, yes, sir, I certainly should. And the whole time that they're sitting in the church saying, yes, I should fear God, they're afraid in their heart. But it's not a fear of God. It's a fear of something. But it's not a fear of God. And because of that, because they're sitting in the church thinking, well, I'm horrified, I'm scared. They think that they're in a place of fellowship with God. They think that they're in a place to where they are fearing the Lord. They think that they're in a place where they're spiritual, and they're really not. They're backslid as the day is long. Listen, being afraid of something is not necessarily being afraid of the Lord. You know, let me just get on with the message. Let me, let me put it to you like this. I think this will draw a line of distinction in the sand. Did you know that the fear of the Lord is always within the confines of truth? Always, always, it is always within the confines of the truth. How many of you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Let me see your hand. Okay, so I'm talking to folks that have trusted Christ as their personal Savior. What that means is that you are not going to hell, right? Okay, now what if you get to a place now to where you are afraid of going to hell? Well, see, a lot of people would take that and they'll think, well, I'm, I'm fearing the Lord. That's not fearing the Lord. That's afraid of going to hell. Or you say, Brother Nathan, but the Lord's the one that has power to put me in heaven or hell. Yeah, but the Lord told you what he was going to do. That's not a fear of God. That's a fear of something. That's a, that is a state of terror. That is a state of fright. 
But that's not a fear of God because the fear of God always operates within the realm of the truth. Always. 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 It always operates in the realm of the truth. Now, I've said before, uh, I've said before that a lot of folks will reject wisdom because when wisdom shows up, she shows up as the fear of the Lord. Some of you will remember this. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm just fine. Uh, what, can I, what can I do for you? And wisdom looks at him and says, well, I'm here to help you. And they say, oh, yeah, come on in. What's your name? My name's the fear of the Lord. Oh, no, we can't have none of that. Uh, push them right back out the door and slam the door in their face. And no, sir, don't want none of that. Well, why? Because a lot of folks are not interested in being afraid of anything. And so what happens is a lot, that's a silly little illustration, but what that is is that's an illustration of the fact that some folks don't want, they don't want wisdom because it looks like the fear of God. Well, I say this, the other, the other way is true as well. A lot of folks, a lot of folks are not going to be able to have the fear of God because it shows up as wisdom. A lot of folks are not, let me say it again, a lot of folks are not going to be able to have the fear of God because it shows up as wisdom. And wisdom is something that has to be cultivated. Is something that has to be desired. Is something that has to be sought for and searched for. You so, say, Brother Nathan, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's true, but look in Proverbs 2. Look right there. Proverbs 2, look in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. See, your, your ear has to be inclined in that direction. And apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge... That's praying. And that's not just, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That, that's not the praying that he's talking about. Cry aloud. Spare not. I was talking about preaching. It applies for prayer too. Sure. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge. Now listen, whether or not you get in your prayer closet and make a bunch of noise, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but is it fervent? That's what we're talking about. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as, hid, as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You've got to want it, man. Do you want wisdom? Let me ask you this. Do you want to fear the Lord in your heart? You say, well, Brother Nathan, I, I think the Lord could just do something. And that would put the fear of God in my heart. It could, but it might cost you your life. <laughs> hey, listen, do you realize that God could do something to put the fear of God in your heart and it wouldn't? It's very possible that it wouldn't. You say, where's your proof text for that? How about Pharaoh? Yeah. Pharaoh was in a position to where God did all kinds of stuff to him and Pharaoh never feared God. He finally tapped out at plague number 10 when he lost his firstborn son. And told him, get out, don't ever come back. But he changed his mind after that, and it was, the down, it was his downfall. It was his death sentence. Yeah. Brother Nathan, I just believe God could put the fear of God in my heart by something that he does in my life. He could. But see, if you don't have a disposition, if you don't have a desire, if you don't have something in your heart that wants to have the fear of God in your heart, God is not going to take some magical dust like Tinkerbell and sprinkle it over you, and all of a sudden you're going to have the fear of the Lord in your heart. You're going to have to want it, man. It's, it's going to have to be something that you cultivate. Listen, I believe in, in the heart of a man, it, it's a lot like faith. 
The Bible says God gives to every man a measure of faith. And the question is not necessarily how much, how much you have. The question is what do you do with it? Some people put their faith in themselves. Some people put it in Jesus Christ. And that's enough to save them. It's not how much, it's what you do with it, right? Well, then you increase your faith. Well, how do you do that? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We understand those things, I think. Well, I believe the, the fear of the Lord is the very same way. God will give you a little bit of his fear. He'll put that in you. It's, it's in a man. Jesus Christ is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. There's something down in there that wants to, that, that fears God, and a man can stifle that out, or he can cultivate it. You say, how does he cultivate it? Well, man, you've got to want it. And a lot of folks don't want it. And what happens is they wind up fearing something else other than fearing God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let me find my place in my notes here. Let me just say, uh, living in a state of terror is not godly. It is not spiritual. It's not spiritual. Uh, some folks right now are horrified. They're horrified. Listen, let, let me say this. Some folks are horrified in this world, after they've trusted Christ as their Savior, they're horrified of going to hell. That is not spiritual. That's not a spiritual condition to be in. You say, Brother Nathan, we just, you, don't, you shouldn't kick people that are down. Well, listen, you're going to have to start treating it like sin, like everything else is. Yeah. Is, doubt, is doubting God, is doubting God's promises a sin? See... I detect a little bit of hesitation there, and I think what the hesitation is is that you, and I understand, I, in a sense I really understand it, you look at people that doubt the truth as victims, but they're not victims. They're not victims. If you doubt what God said, are you a victim? You are not a victim. You made the decision for some reason. Maybe you feel like it's a good reason. Maybe somebody said something. To, maybe you feel like it's a good reason to doubt what God said. The grand possibility is maybe you don't understand what God said. That's a possibility. And we won't, we're not going to throw stones at people. That's the big term now. Uh, preachers talking about don't throw stones at people. Shut your mouth, man. But I will say we're not going to hang somebody for not understanding something in the Bible. But you know a lot of the preaching that we do, especially in this church, is not directed towards somebody that got saved five months ago. Go and they're trying to learn the doctrines of God. We're talking to people that have been saved, Brother Michael, for 10 and 20 years and still don't know. And we're preaching to them saying, why don't you know? You're sitting in a condition to where you're doubting. You're afraid. And it's because you, you're unfamiliar with something. Whose fault is that? That's not, that's not the preacher's fault that's getting all over you. I mean, the preacher's been here every service for the last however long he's been here, and you're the one that won't come. You're the one that won't show up. You're the one that sits here and acts like you're not interested in what's being preached when it's exactly what's needed to help you. You say, Brother Nathan, you're being hard. No, I'm being realistic. This is true. This is true. This is true. You've got to want it, man. You've got to want the fear of God. You've got to want wisdom. And if you don't want it, okay, okay. But quit putting your lower lip out and quit sucking your thumb and quit trying to make people get on your side and feel sorry for you. This, what you're dealing with is consequences. Well, Nathan, that's just a hard attitude. Okay, go home and pray about it then. I have a lot. I prayed, I prayed about it a lot more, a lot longer than this sermon's going to be. I can guarantee you that. Hey, it's in my heart to help folks. But some folks don't have it in their heart to want help. 
And then you sit back and watch them terrorized in their own mind. And say, oh, I just wonder about well, what's going on with this stuff. Well, what it is is you don't fear God. And because of that, now you've got a situation to where you're afraid of something else. You say, where are you getting that from? Look right here in Proverbs 1. Look at what he says. Verse 23, turn you at my reproof. This is wisdom, right? It's wisdom talking, is it not? Let me hear you say amen so I know you're still with me. I probably made you mad, but you'll be all right. Hang with me. Turn you at my reproof. It's wisdom, right? Who else is, what else is wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is saying, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. Did you know that the fear of God has something to say to you? Hmm. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not, all my counsel, and with none of my reproof. Watch what happens. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. That's a fear, but it's not the fear of God. You reject the fear of God, now you've got a fear of something else coming in. And it don't matter what it is, it's a fear of something else. And God said, when it comes, I'm going to laugh at you. When your, verse 27, when your fear cometh as desolation, it tears you all the way down to the ground. That's desolate. Makes something empty. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come, cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Watch what he says in verse 33. But whoso hearkeneth unto me, unto who? Wisdom. Unto who? The fear of the Lord. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet. And shall be quiet from the fear, from fear of evil. Have you ever met somebody that's constantly sitting around saying, oh, I'm worried about that. Oh, I'm worried. Every man deals with worry to some degree. That's a part of man's nature. But do, have you ever met folks that's given to it? I mean, they're just absolutely given to it. And I'm not just talking about worrying about stuff. I'm talking about fear, being afraid. They're going to come get our guns. The government's going to do this. I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell. I'm afraid the church is going through the tribulation. I'm afraid. Thing after thing after thing after thing. You say, what's going on? What's going on is that somebody rejected the fear of the Lord. And now there's other fear that's coming in. And the Lord's sitting back and saying, it's a consequence. It is a consequence of something. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it is. That's what it is. Look, look at what he says right here. Oh, uh, we... Uh, let me find my place here. I've kind of got all, all, all out of my notes here, but that'll be okay because it just makes the sermon a little bit shorter. Praise God for you, huh? Yes, sir. Uh, look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Hold your place in Proverbs 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. A lot of folks are sad and disappointed with where they are in life. Are they not? 
You ever met folks like that? I, I have. I, I know folks that are that way right now. But it would be a fatal error to assume that that's repentance, would it not? That, that's a great mistake. Just because somebody feels bad with where they are in life, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've repented. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Oh, yeah, we'll have to go back and hit something else because I don't want to miss everything. I write, whoever wrote these notes, man, wrote them so small I can't hardly see them. I'm going to have to borrow somebody's glasses. We'll hang the moron who did that. But anyways, which would be me, just in case y'all got scared. See, if you feared God, you wouldn't be afraid. Second Corinthians chapter 7 and look in verse 8. Paul said, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. A lot of folks get to the place in their life to where they're sorry about something. They're, they're sorry, but they don't get to the place to where they sorrow to repentance. You know what they lack? They lack motivation. Those two things are different. How many, of you, uh, how many of you have ever known that you've done something wrong? You're doing, you were in the middle of doing something wrong. There was some kind of something in your life that you were doing and you knew you were under conviction about it, but just quite frankly, you was too sorry to get it right. Let me see your hand. I don't want to hear what it is. I am the very same way, man. I've had God deal with me and that's not something to be proud of, but it's true. God deal with, some, deal with you about something and man, you love it. Sinners love sin. Of course, we're saved now. We're not supposed to love sin. That's what the Christian life is about. It's about falling in love with Jesus and falling out of love with iniquity. But boy, God deal with you about thinking, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. And while you're doing it, man, the Lord's tanning your hide. But, well, see, what you are is you're sorry about where you're at. Man, I, I hate it that I'm right here. But you ain't repented yet. You say, what do you like? Motivation. It's like the old fella, he, a preacher went and visited a fellow one time. I think I've told this here before, but it fits. Fella went and visited this old man one time, and he had an old bloodhound laying out on the front porch. And he sat out on the front porch with this old fella, and this bloodhound every once in a while would sit out on the front porch, and he'd say, Ooh, Ooh. And finally, that preacher had enough of it, and he said, What's wrong with that stupid dog? And he said, Well, he's laying on a nail. And the preacher said, well, why won't he move? He said, it ain't bothering him bad enough. That's simple country wisdom, is it not? A lot of Christians, a lot of believers, I should say, walk around and... And the preacher says, well, what's the matter with you? Well, I've got this wrong and I've got that wrong. And the preacher says, well, why won't you move? And they shrug their shoulders. Oh, no. I'll tell you why you won't move, because it ain't bothering you bad enough. Well, see, you're sorry, you sorrowed, but you haven't sorrowed to repentance. That's right. That's the prodigal son. Well, I lost all my money, but I ain't hungry bad enough to go back to daddy's house yet. Well, when he got down there in the hog pen and all he had was corn, uh, empty corn husks. Uh, okay, now it's time to go home. I, I'm sick of this. Yes, sir. Now I rejoice, verse 9, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after, after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. 
For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of, of the world worketh death. Now look at what he says in verse 11. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. Here's the difference between godly sorrow and just sorrowing, being sorry about where you're at. That you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in the matter. How many of you have ever strayed from God? I mean, strayed far away from God. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. You strayed far away from God. And when you got right with God, there was something in your heart that said, man, I'm actually upset about this. I'm going to do something about the bad situation I've got myself in. That's how you know you've repented. This kind of repentance, listen, you say, well, Brother Nathan, you're preaching about something different. I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to give you the punchline. Hang on. This kind of repentance that kind of sits around and says, you know, a preacher says, are you sorry for what you've done? Well, yeah. Okay, what you going to do about it? Well, I don't know. You ain't sorry yet. Well, when you get to the place, listen, when you get to the place to where you get out on an altar and you're pouring out your heart to God, and to give the illustration, you got tears coming down your face and when you stand up, snot is hanging from your nose, touching the altar. This guy got right with God, man. He got right with God. And he gets up and he says, when I get home, I'm pouring out my beer. I'm throwing my dirty magazines in the trash. I'm emptying out my rock music. That guy got the goods, man. You say, why? Because he got right and he's coming back with a vengeance. You say, well, it's all the grace of God. It's all God. I, I understand, but the guy is motivated. Right? He's motivated. He's mo something took place in his heart to where he says, I'm going to do something about this. Okay, now take that and apply it to the fear of the Lord. You go up to somebody and you say, hey, do you fear God? And they say, well, yeah. Well, what does that fear of God lead you to do? Well, I, I don't know. Mm, I don't think that's the fear of the Lord. Hey, if, if you have the fear of the Lord, there's motivation that comes with it. There's, there's something behind that fear of God. It gives you an oomph. It gives you some kind of, it gives you zeal. Uh, not, not maybe to uh, run around town or do something crazy, but boy, it, it changes your outlook. Uh, and not in a sense of hiding behind things. It gives you, man, I really, man, there really is a God that has done this for me and has done that for me. We're talking about Christians. Has done this for me, has done that for me. Man, I mean, you, you know what? Let me put it to you like this. In Exodus, when all those plagues come, let me make this a little bit clearer in your mind. We're going to go through a list here in just a second, and then I'm going to let you go, if I can make all these things clear. Oh, when these plagues came through Egypt, the Bible said that one of the plagues that came through was hail was going to come on the land of Egypt, right? And when it came through, the Bible said that all the men, all the Egyptians that feared the Lord, they went around and they got all their cattle and they brought them inside. And the next verse says, but he that regarded not the Lord, the word of the Lord, left his cattle out and obviously all the cattle died. The, the first verse says, he that feared the word of the Lord. The second verse says, he that regarded not the word of the Lord. You know what a fear is? It's a regard for what God says. Do you fear the Lord? Well, yeah. When's the last time you picked up his book? 
If you haven't, if you, uh, I don't know that you really fear him like you think you do. You're probably afraid of something. There's no doubt about that. But that's not a fear of God necessarily. What a lot of folks are afraid of is they're afraid of the aspect of God of, oh, God could hurt me. And that is partially, to a minute degree, I believe, I believe a fear of the Lord. But it's not the fear of the Lord like it should be. Let me try to move along a little bit here. We'll try and go through these things. Look back in, uh, look back in Proverbs chapter 3. Look in Proverbs chapter 3. Let me go through these things and try and show you what I'm talking about. Look in Proverbs chapter 3 and look in verse 13. The Bible says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise, it's wisdom, right? Wisdom's connected with the fear of God. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the, all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens by his knowledge. The depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. What's he talking about? Wisdom and understanding, right? He says, my son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. You're not going to be afraid. You say, but you said we've got to fear the Lord. That's right, but you're not going to be afraid. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. A man that fears God, you know what he has? He has confidence in God. I made the statement Sunday night, I believe it was. Hey, don't let your ideology get to a place to where you see any problem as a problem that the Lord couldn't handle just like that. You say, what are you talking about? That's a fear of God. Some people fear their problems. They fear situations. They fear circumstances more than they fear the Lord. Listen, there are folks that will sit down and turn on CNN or Fox News and they'll pay attention to the news broadcast and they will be scared out of their mind for the next week to the extent to where they can't sleep. But if a preacher stands up and says something from God's word, they'll sleep on that like they never even heard it. You say, what is that? You have rejected the fear of God. And now you have a different kind of fear that is invading. It's a sin. It is wrong. You say, Brother Nathan, I just don't understand. That is not my problem. That is something that you need to search out. That is something that you need to be concerned about. I'm showing you what the Bible says. Hey, if a man is to the place to where he's regarding wisdom, 
The fear of the Lord, Job said, Job 28, 28, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. When a man is regarding wisdom, Proverbs 3, when he's regarding wisdom, when he's regarding understanding, God, I want to be wise. And then he's opening his Bible on a regular basis and looking for it. God, I want it. God, show me. And God will start pointing this out and start pointing this out and start pointing this out. And he, Hey, there's more to this God than just being a genie in the bottle. This is not just a God that I should be afraid of. This is a God that I can trust, I can have confidence in. Hey, this is a God that regardless of what my government does, this is a God regardless of what my wife does, regardless of what my husband does, regardless of what my children do, this is a God that I can trust. You say, what is that? That's a man that fears God. preacher get up and preach and people sit there in the pew and look at him like calves looking at a new gate and the temptation I tell you from a, a personal perspective and if you if, if, a, if a man's ever pastored or preached to a congregation on a regular basis you'll run into this this is just the way it is people sit there and just kind of stare they might be getting something they might not but you know what you do you walk back if you're not fearing God if you don't have no confidence in God you walk back and sit in your office and say wonder what's going on in people's minds. I wonder if they even want me here. Boy, I wonder. You say, what happened? You let the fear of God go and now you're afraid of the people. Hey, listen. How can you account for Elijah walking into where Ahab is and saying three years, no rain. See you later. That's a man who feared God. That is a man. That is not it's fear. I'm not trying to redefine the term fear, but what I'm telling you is that this fear of God goes hand in hand with confidence. That's why what I said a couple of minutes ago, listen, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you're afraid of going to hell, that is not necessarily a fear of God. There's something, there's something messed up about your fear. Listen, have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Have you? Okay, uh, that was just a question for the point of the argument that I'm fixing to make. If I sit down with you and you keep doubting your salvation and I sit down with you and say, do you know you're a sinner? And you say, yes. And I say, do you know that Jesus Christ died for sinners? And you say, yes. Does that mean that Jesus died for you? Yes. Is that enough to pay for the penalty of your sin? Do you believe that? Yes. What are you trusting in to justify in the sight of God? And you tell me, I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I say, then you're saved. And you walk away from that, confident, from that conversation going, I just don't know. I, I just don't know. Something's wrong. That is, not a, that is not the fear of the Lord. That's a result of somebody that has rejected the fear of the Lord. And now they're sitting in a place of terror. Throughout the scripture, God has given promise after promise after promise that he's going to come and get his bride before the tribulation. And folks all over the place, all over the United States right now are dropping that doctrine left and right. Why? Because somebody has rejected the fear of the Lord. Hey, some folks have probably been taught wrong. That's very possible. But some folks have rejected the fear of the Lord. You don't start out a pre-tribulation rapture and move to a post-tribulation rapture or a no-tribulation rapture. You don't move from that place to that place if you're trying to look through the Scripture and study. Some folks don't study. 
But if you're trying to find out, you don't move from that place to that place with a fear of the Lord. You move from this place to this place of a fear of the Antichrist or a fear of your government. You know what's shaking a lot of people into believing that the church is going through the tribulation? They're scared to death of what Biden's doing. Or they're scared to death of what so-and-so is doing. Or they're scared to death of the Illuminati or the Masonic Lodge of all people. Oh, anyways. But you're not, you're not afraid of God. That's true. That's true. Look in Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Look in Psalm 19. Let me show you what else this fear of the Lord is associated with. Look, look in Psalm 19. And look in verse 7. Psalm 19, verse 7. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect. Do you believe that? Okay, the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Do you know that there's no doubt about what God says? There's no doubt. It's a sure thing. It's more sure than the, the engagements that you have tomorrow. You told somebody, I'll be at such and such a place at such and such a time. The word of the Lord is more sure than you getting there tomorrow. Yes, sir. You'll back out on your word before God will back out on his. That's how sure it is. You, you see that? Okay. Verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever now you see that statement the fear of the lord is clean you know what you know about the fear of god it's clean you know what you know about the fear of other things it's not clean you know there's people that will actually pay money around October 31st, I guess it is. I haven't celebrated Halloween, I don't think, ever, because my mom and daddy wouldn't let us celebrate Halloween. But I, it's been so long since I've, uh, I've even seen any trick-or-treaters. I don't remember if it's October 30th or the 31st. I think it's the 31st, ain't it? Okay, my wife's birthday is the other one. Whichever one Halloween is not, my wife's birthday is the other one. She, that's why she was giving me crazy eyes there. Uh, roll your eyes at me, I'll roll them back. <clears throat> but anyways... Uh, you know, folks around Halloween will pay $15, $20, $30 to walk through a haunted house, an old dilapidated building, and they'll pay money so that people can jump out at them that look like they've been in a grave rotten for six years just so that they can be scared. Why? It's not clean, is it? Oh, it's just entertainment. Why is corruption entertainment? The fear of the Lord is clean. Did you know, listen, when you come into contact with somebody that really, feels God, that really fears God, you know what you notice about them, Brother Michael? There's something clean about them. They're not perfect. And they'll readily admit that. They're not going to confess their sins to you, but they'll readily admit, man, I got problems. I mean, if something come up and, you know, you're talking to them about the struggles in the flesh. Oh, yeah, I understand that, man. I struggle with the same kind of thing myself. They'll readily admit that. But, man, there's something about them that's different. You say, what is it? They're clean. There's a cleanliness to them. One of the things that's amazed me this past week, reading through my Bible this past week and the week before, is reading about the life of David. And David messed up his life with this thing with Bathsheba. But you know, even after he messed up his life with Bathsheba, there was something that was clean about him. 
He's a clean man. The guy committed adultery, something that the law said he deserved to die for. And I'm not making light of that. I think this church understands my stance on that. That's an atrocious, that's an atrocity. But there's something about the life of David, even after he did that, that it rings clean. You say, what was it? I believe it's because he feared God. Genuinely, he was afraid. He feared the Lord. I believe you can see that in Psalm 51. He gets down on his knees and he begins to pour out his heart in repentance and he's got confidence that God's going to forgive him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's no doubt about that. And then I want you to notice this. Look at the context of what's around here in Psalm 19. He says, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. But look at the rest of the stuff. The law of the Lord's perfect converting the soul. There's conversion with the fear of God. It's not just, oh, I'm scared, and you're going to stay that way the rest of your life. Man, there's, it's the fear of the Lord, but there's improvement. God's changing things. Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure. There's confidence in the fear of the Lord. Yes, sir. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. There's rejoicing with the fear of God. Listen, you meet somebody and you say, hey, do you fear God? And, and oh, yes, I fear God. But they're constantly walking around with their knuckles dragging the floor and a pooty lip. That is not the fear of God. A man that fears God, he walks around with some measure of joy in his heart. He's got peace in his heart. You say, why? Because the Lord said, the Bible says... To this man will I look, to him that's of a poor and contrite spirit, one that trembleth at my word. When that verse is quoted, often we focus on your attitude. We focus on, hey, you should have a poor and contrite spirit. But what about focusing on the other part of the verse? The Bible says, if you've got a poor and contrite spirit, to this man will I look. God said, he'll look at you. Do you have a poor and contrite spirit? Oh, no, Brother Nathan. Then you need to get right with God. And as soon as you get a poor and contrite spirit, guess what? Somebody's looking at you. God's looking, God's looking in your direction. When you get to the place to where you really fear God and it can be done. You're supposed to be there. When you get to the place to where you fear God, hey man, pick your chin up because God's paying attention to what's going on in your life. God's looking at you. Let me put it to you, let me put it to you the way that Samuel put it to Saul. Hey, do as occasion serveth thee, for the Lord is with thee. That's a man that fears God. Lord, I love you. God, I recognize I'm a mess. But Lord, I really want to fear you more than I fear anything in this life, including and just go to town listening to stuff. And when you get up off your knees, get up off your knees with the confidence of, hey, man. I want to cultivate this fear of God in my heart. And you know what you're going to have? You're going to have the eyes of the Lord specifically. The eyes of the Lord's in every place, but they're specifically going to be on you. Do you fear God? Oh, yeah. Well, hey, man, isn't it, isn't it great to be saved? Well, I don't know. Something's wrong. You see? Something ain't right. All right, one more, two more passages and I'll let you go. Proverbs 8 and Psalm 109. Proverbs 8 and Psalm 109. Oh. I believe if you can see the difference between the two things that I'm trying to show you, I believe, I believe it'll help you. I believe it'll help you 
cultivate the fear of the Lord in your heart, it'll, it'll help you recognize what you're to be looking for in your life. I got Proverbs 8, and I've got a wrong verse in here. Let me see if I can find my place here. Oh, there it is. I got, it's Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs 8, 13, and look at what it says. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to what? It's to hate evil. You know what evil is? It's an injury. It's mischief. It could be moral evil. It could be something wicked or something out of the way morally, but it's just things that are bad. If, some, if somebody gets hurt, and the thing that we've heard in this church over and over again is talking about entertainment. I've even referred to it tonight. It's, it's evil. It's evil. It's evil. Well, look in Psalm 109, 109 and look in verse 16. The Bible says, because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man, that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing like as, a, as with a garment, so let it come into his bowels like water and like oil in his bones. Listen, here's a guy who doesn't fear the Lord, and because he doesn't fear the Lord, he doesn't hate evil. He finds it as entertainment or he finds some measure of enjoyment in it. And what this fellow's praying for here in Psalm 109 is, hey, this guy's rejoiced in all this cursing. This guy's rejoiced in all this evil. Lord, let it, let it come back on him. Let it come back, as he says in another place, let it come back on his own pate. That's on, that's on his head. Hey, this is what he found entertainment in. This is what he enjoyed. See, when you begin to get in touch with the fear of the Lord, let me say this, I'll be done. When you get in touch with the fear of the Lord, man, things begin to change in your life. Your attitude begins to change. Your outlook begins to change. But listen, if I could leave you with something specific here tonight, there's a confidence that's supposed to come with the fear of the Lord. We didn't look at it, and I got it in my notes, and I skipped that part because I'm an idiot, but that's what happens when you preach. You miss your notes sometimes, and that'll be okay. I'll take it as from the Lord and just trust the Lord. But the Bible says that with the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence confidence. So there's something, there's something there about when a man begins to subject himself to the fear of God, it doesn't lead him to want to dig a hole and lay in the grave for a week and then come out on Sunday and come complain to everybody at church. There's a, there's a fear there in his heart of God, but that fear leads him to, Lord, I, I believe you. I trust you. God, I know you're able when a man sits around and starts fearing all this other stuff, that's something, that's somebody where, hey, some, I'm talking about you tonight. I'm talking about the folks that's here. You start looking around at all this stuff and, wow, we're, I, I don't know about this. And, boy, I don't know about that. Boy, you're fixing to get your, you are in a place to where your fear has been misplaced. Listen, let me say this. Something becomes a God in your life when you give it too much love or too much fear. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. It's a sin. It's a sin. All right, Lord, I pray that you help us tonight. God, I know that things didn't quite come out, Lord, like I had planned them to. And, Lord, I pray you forgive me, Lord, for being a little bit confused. But, Lord, you know, God, Lord, Lord, you know what's been behind it. God, Lord, you know, God, Lord, how much time's been spent on it, Lord. And I 
pray that you take these things, Lord. I, uh, Lord, maybe a little bit disorganized. That maybe I could have been a little bit better at that. But Lord, everything I said, Lord, I, I have confidence in you, and I believe it's true. I know it's true. It's just straight from your word. And so, Lord, I trust you, God, to take these things and, Lord, let them be seeds in the hearts of the hearers tonight. And, Lord, maybe some folks not here, Lord, they're listening at home. I don't know, but, God, Lord, I pray that you take these things and, Lord, let it be a source of edification and building up for folks. And, Lord, help them, God. I, Lord, I, I can't think of a better church to go to than a church that's filled with people, Lord, that genuinely, genuinely fear God. Lord, that make for a great church and make for a great society, make for great families. Lord, I pray that you'd, Lord, find that in us, God, here tonight. Lord, we'll thank you for it. God, bless us as we dismiss. God, bless the service coming up on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, good night. May the Lord bless you. You dismissed.